Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your oh, Seiya Suzuki totally made my week home for Cubs, free agent signings, wish list, news, and updates and banter. We are the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs and hopefully some other guys they're about to sign, although it looks like the free agent market might finally be coming to a close over at Bleed Cubby Blue, and I am thrilled to be joined by Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Ye of Fox MLB fame. Oh, yeah. No, it's it was fun. You know, I'm just out there cashing all my royalty checks. I'm going nuts, drinking champagne, buying tuxedos with, you know, my, my Say A Song went viral, and it, now I'm just completely loaded and rich, and it's, it's wonderful because it's a dream come true. Uh, no, I, I just, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun when something like that kicks off because, you know, I'm kind of known as the unofficial Cubs uh, minstrel and, um, you know, like I write parody songs for a living. And so the, a couple of people asked me for the uh, outcast Hey Ya song to go as Say Ya. It was so good. It was and perfect. So, yeah. I mean, and, you know, that it's it's just really fun. You get a lot of attention, get some extra Twitter followers, get a lot of love and it makes you feel good. So. I've had I've had a fun couple of days watching that kickoff, but um, and at least this time Fox News tagged me or Fox <laughs> Sports because sometimes they just steal the video and run with it. You know they're you know like the Korea song. Yeah. Oh yeah, they just stole that. I mean, they didn't even tag me in that or anything, and I'm like, hey guys, it's me, it's Danny, <laughs> the guy who did it. But whatever, it's fine. I I don't expect uh, I just as long as Cub fans love me, I'm happy. I don't you know, really care about the national media. That Say a Song was some of your finest work. I was actually going to ask you if we can use it to outro the podcast today because I think it's brilliant. Sure, sure. Also, I just sing it live? <laughs> also, the line that's like, and we need him to be good at baseball. That's like so good. I've like had it in my head for days. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. That's a great song. In fact, I, we have Bleacher Bum Band rehearsal today. Because uh, we're playing opening day. I don't know if I plugged that on the show yet, but on, uh, we're playing opening day at at Output, uh, which is right on Clark, right across from Wrigley. And uh, so we're getting it together. I'm like, oh, let me figure out the song to show to the band because we'll definitely do this one live now. I might even have to write an extra verse to flush it out. But uh, it, it's it's four chords. The whole song, four chords. So we're going <laughs> to go in there with our G, C, D, E, and we're going to rock it out. So I might not even play this one because I want to go... You know, and I can't do that and play guitar at the same time. Somebody's got to do that, right? It's just part of the song. So it's part of the like song. Jeff, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I, you got to join the band. You got to join the band. You're, you sing a little bit, don't you? I can sing a bit. I actually played the piano for 12 years. <gasps> I, I've never told you that before. <laughs> well, now I got somebody to go boop, 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 boop. You know, like. <laughs> On the, you know, on the, I uh, can do that. I'm, I, I have to tell you, I've never, so I played the piano in church. Uh, like I've done Easter mass and those types of things, but I've never played the piano for anything poppy or like an actual band. Like I, I have a keyboard at my apartment that I use. Um, well, you're in the band. I, I'll, I'll happily play like four chords for you for say <laughs> Listen, rehearsals at one o'clock today. So as soon as we're getting off here, I'm picking you up with Bleach and Jeff, and we're going over to Mystery Street Recording, and we're rocking out for three hours. That's I, what's happening. I don't know if you have a keyboard, but I'm happy to give it a try for a little. I, I'm literally like, I haven't done anything like this in years. Yeah, well, you're in the band now, so we're going to figure all that out. Uh, uh, after the show, we're, <laughs> you've just witnessed 
Rock and roll history, people. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, all right. So aside from me getting a gig in a band. Um, so <laughs> yesterday I was up late drafting yet another fantasy team, 12 team standard categories. Uh, and I was having the weirdest dreams. And I literally woke up to the news that Trevor Story has been signed by the Red Sox. <laughs> Six-year, $140 million contract. I would like to note that is less than Javier Baez got. I would also like to note that with that move, plus the move that Carlos Correa signed a three-year, $105 million contract with two opt-outs. He has an opt-out each year. So clearly he would like to bet on himself again at some point. Uh, To the Twins, the Red Sox have two shortstops. The Twins got the Yankees to take on Josh Donaldson's contract so the Twins could sign Carlos Correa and the Yankees have Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Like, I know this is a Cubs podcast, but what what is going on with the Yankees? People, check on your Yankees friends. They are probably not okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's confusing sometimes, some of the moves. And, and sometimes, in hindsight, you get it. So I don't know, maybe something will uh, transpire that you'll be like, oh, that's why. It's like you, you look at the Cubs situation, which we watch a lot more closely than the Yankees situation. So it's like, all right, so you sign Andrelton Simmons, who's a glove first shortstop. You know, the more I think about that, you know, as, mu- as much as I'd love to have Correa, who's a, a great shortstop and has the bat to go with it, you're like, okay. You got a lot of ground ball pitchers on your on your starting staff. You're going to need somebody to go get in the hole. Maybe you can spend that money better on an even better hitter like, say, a Suzuki. So you're, you're putting things together in a different way. Like to take the Donaldson money doesn't look like it makes a lot of sense. And to go into a season without a shortstop where you made the point before the show where your rival team in the AL East has two. So, you know. Um, so yeah, it's, could be a bit of a head scratcher, but yeah, people are coming off the board left and right. And, um, the Correa to the twins, a little disappointing, you know, because that was the first time I went viral this year with Fox, uh, from MLB Fox. They should just uh, hire you. <laughs> I asked them for a job straight up on Twitter. I'm like, Hey, I'm the artist. Can I have a job? And they didn't respond yet, but we'll see. Um, no, it, uh, the, it was a little disappointing because you're like, well, couldn't Tommy boy ponying up 30 million and let's just like really go for it this next year. And, but then I was like, ah, no, but you need a pitcher too, and you need a closer and the bullpen is kind of just okay. You don't know, like, you know, so I was like, you know, totally. you're going to need more than Correa anyway. So maybe, you know, so they get Suzuki and I don't know. It's just, the pieces are falling into place. It's just interesting to see. I was surprised about the twins. Just because I was like, oh, I thought you guys were going to like not like you kind of screwed it up last year and you'd had a disappointing season. The White Sox, you know, look like they're primed to do it again. But I don't know. I am so happy for Twins fans. Like the Twins are doing what Major League Baseball teams should do. And and I want to take a second to talk about this and we will get to the Cubs. The Cubs have done a lot of moves. We're really excited to talk about Sam, but I I do want to talk about this for one second because I was noticing last night I was going through some projections because I'm that girl. And yes, Saturday night I sit on my couch and go through projections and do fantasy drafts. That's who I am. Not changing it. Uh, the, The Reds and Twins had 
very similar projections this offseason. They were both kind of projected to be 74, 73 win teams. They were kind of right next to each other in Fangraph's projections. And the Twins made some moves, cleared some money, got a lot better, right? Like they turned uh, they turned a couple of trades around. They turned Mitch Garver and then right there into Gary Sanchez. They added Gio Urshela at third. They got rid of Donaldson's injury risk and money, got the Yankees to take on that. They signed Carlos Correa. Like if you're a Twins fan, it has been a pretty good winter for you. Like you're probably excited to go watch some baseball in Minnesota when it's finally warm enough to watch baseball in Minnesota. The Reds, on the other hand, did the exact opposite. They sold off everybody. They traded guys who didn't need to be traded. They act like they're poor and can't do anything. And the Reds are probably going to finish behind the Cubs now. And it's like, I don't know, if you're picking your own adventure for fandom, and you could be a Twins fan or a Reds fan this morning, you would pick the Twins, right? Yeah, I mean, it, one of those transactions that I don't think you just mentioned was that Sonny Gray yes. too, move, moving over from Cincinnati. Uh, and so, no, I had a couple on the Sun Ranto show on Wednesday, last Wednesday. We had, uh, it, well, no, they're, actually, they're going to come on the Sun Ranto show this Wednesday. I was This was just a text conversation with my friend from the New Nasty Boys. It's a Reds podcast. It's got guy, uh, Billy DeVore. And uh, Lee Kimbrell, they're both comedians. A very funny show, if uh, you know any Reds fans. Um, but, uh, you know, I was talking to him about it. And I was, and he said, you know what's really sad to me about this whole thing with the Reds is we were only a piece or two away yes. from competing against the Brewers. Like, the Brewers have that good front-end pitching, but you don't know what happens from year to year with pitching. Like, some guy could go down with the shoulder thing, or you don't know. Totally. So, you know, you want to put yourself into a position so that you add a piece or two, whether it be before the season or at the trade deadline, and you, then you're going to make your move on the division, and you could have yourself a magical year. But instead, they took a team that was so close, who had the rookie of the year last year, and they they blew it up. And they still have some good young players. So, but are they going to. And Joey Votto? Joey Votto's great. Oh, poor Joey Votto. Oh, my God. Joey Joey Votto Votto. still has an on base percentage over 350, and he sacrificed like 30 points of on base percentage so that he could hit bombs. And I like this. I like the way Joey Votto has decided I don't have to have an on base percentage over 400. I can hit bombs. (laughs) Yeah. I wish I could decide stuff like that. God, Um, what a decision. Yeah. uh, But, you know, and they they didn't go by and talk to a Reds fan last night. And he didn't want to talk to it about it. He kept wanting to talk about the Bengals. <laughs> I, was like, I bet you do. Let's talk about the Reds, though, bro. Yeah. Um, but he, but he was sad that uh, Castellanos is now with uh, Philadelphia, and so look at that left-handed power, uh, the Dude. Bash Brothers of F- Philly, Castellanos uh, you know, and Schwarber together yeah. again. Philadelphia, you are in for a treat. Oh yeah, my I god, mean, the lefty power! They got all the lefty power that the Cubs need. And then, uh, and so both of those guys went over there and it's, but the, my Reds fan friend who had, you know, he was Castellanos was on the Reds. They love him there too. And so there's another guy that they didn't want to bring back and they're just, you know, the payroll's going to be nothing. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, you're, you're right. The twins are doing what the Reds could have done. And it's just like, it's, it's a head scratcher. They might finish behind the pirates. Yeah. They're, I mean, I'm honestly, it's not just that they made themselves worse. They also did so in such in a way that's so demoralizing that if you're part of that Reds team or you're in that environment, what is going to motivate you to show up every single day? And I just, I don't know. I, I just, 
We'll get to the Cubs now, but because Cubs fans know how this feels, right? Like we all went through Blue Friday. We know how awful it is when your team just like sells off all of your players. But I'm just, I cannot stress enough that owners should be aware that there is a fan experience out there. And part of that is when all of your guys go somewhere else and your team acts like it's broke, that fan experience sucks. Uh, So I will say, you know, it it was not the offseason I was looking for in Chicago. It was somewhere in between. Like, I really didn't think they had the Stroman or Suzuki deals in them. So that's a huge positive on the Cubs offseason as far as I'm concerned. I kind of got my hopes up for a Correa or a story or something. And Andrelton Simmons is just not doing it for me. Like one of my twins friends on Twitter posted last night, last year, our shortstop was Andrelton Simmons. And all I could think of was the cry eat ice cream emoji. I'm like, ah, <laughs> Cubs fan over here where our shortstop is now Andrelton Simmons, but it gets better people. Like after a year of Andrelton Simmons, you get Carlos Correa apparently. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe that's still an option. The guy the Cubs definitely have who I am super excited about and working on a piece for BCB right now on is Seiya Suzuki. And and Danny, what do you think of Seiya so far? Well, I I liked it so much. I, I wrote him a song is kind of how I feel. I mean, you don't know how it's going to transfer. So from Japan to the United States and there's different leagues, it's different talent, different pitchers, but you know, it is a high level of play. So I, you know, And this guy has excelled there, hit 38 bombs last year, has a batting average lifetime in nine seasons of 309. So the guys at OBP, uh, he's got a 402 lifetime OBP, plus the home runs to come with it. He's going to take one of the corner outfield spots, which you got to think puts him in left, which is great because that's where I sit oftentimes. So uh, we're going to be singing Seiya a lot. So, And the thing I like about not only is an incredible baseball player, he's a great fielder too. He's got a plus glove. And, um, you know, I'm just – I'm in fact, maybe he'll end up in right because of that um, instead of left. I don't know. They, maybe they move these guys around, but you wonder where Hayward will play. I guess he'll be playing more center. So it, it moves things around a little bit. But I couldn't be more excited – uh, because also it's like after blue Friday, like you just mentioned, this is a little fresh blood. You know, I feel a little bit of a resurgence when you get like the two guys you mentioned, Stroman and Suzuki over here. And you're like, Oh, cool. Now we're seeing it's like very talented baseball players who can perform at a high level in a Cubs uniform. And the other guys that we had like that in the past, we had kind of seen them already. So even like Kyle Hendricks, like as much as I love him, like we've seen that, you know? And so as a fan who just enjoys going to baseball games, I'm excited to see some new guys, to be honest, that are also good. Yeah. I'm really excited by Seiya Suzuki and let's get into why. So um, looking at over at Fangraphs, Dan Zimbrowski used his zip system to project what he thought Seiya might do in an MLB environment. And, And this is always really tricky, right? Because, Pitching in Japan is a little different than pitching here. Like the breaking stuff probably breaks the same way that stuff breaks here. Like it's as dramatic and all of that jazz. But the thing that really separates American pitching from Japanese pitching is velocity. There's there's a lot more of it in the American game. And it's going to take some time to adjust there for anybody. But even when you take those adjustments into account, first let's talk about what uh, Seiya did last season, right? So in his 26-year-old season for the Hiroshima Carp, he ha- posted an OPS of 1,073, 
Uh, an <laughs> OPS over a thousand is ridiculous anywhere. That plays pretty much anywhere. Even if you say take 10% of that off, 15% of that off, because you, you want to like account for the fact that pitching will be a little bit different here in the States. That's an OPS of over 900. <laughs> That's still very, very good, people. Like an OPS of 850 to 900 will absolutely play. It will put him towards the top of the hitters on the Chicago Cubs lineup before anything else happens. He also hit 38 home runs last year for the Hiroshima Carp. I mean, that that is real power. But more impressively, and the thing that Saya does that I know the Cubs are looking for is he has a really good eye. He does not strike out a lot, and he walks a lot. So it's one of these guys who is not going to contribute to the Cubs' strikeout or hit home runs woe, right? Like he makes contact with the baseball and puts himself on base. He has a very good eye. He doesn't reach a lot. The projections that Dan showed for Seiya's 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31-year-old seasons, which are the years that the Cubs have signed him for, show him for 2022, and this is a neutral park. So obviously this will change with Wrigley Field put into it as slashing 287, 351, 480 with 23 home runs, that's that plays anywhere, right? Like 20 home runs and a 287 batting average, 350 on base percentage is awesome and will totally help the Cubs. I think that slots right in the middle of their lineup. I love it. Yeah, and I do wish he hit left-handed. Because we maybe need that a little bit more than uh, a righty who does this, but you're going to take it from either side of the plate. You know, you're going to take those home, and it could and it could go better than that. We don't know. Uh, he also has like a little bit of speed. I, I mean, he did steal 25 bases in 2019 once, and that's and it's a different style of play over there. So, you know, you're scoring runs in in different ways. But um, no, I I love it, and I just I love it for just the vibe of it. You know, just overall, he seems like a cool dude. And I thought it was interesting that Ricketts got involved in this conversation. And Ricketts made a personal pitch to get him over. And I guess Suzuki's wife figured large in the decision and she wanted to go to a good food town. And I and uh, hey, that's us, baby. I, I, I you will think- love it here. <laughs> Oh yeah, you'll love it here. So um, I'm I'm just super excited. You know, it's I it's just nice to see the Cubs. You know, they said they'd retool, and this is it because this is a five year deal. Uh, so he's going to be here a while. Yeah, this is a great deal for the team. And uh, regarding running, you are right about Young. that. Uh, Dan projects Saya to have 12 stolen bases next year. Now again, that is team neutral, so that. Running is one of those things in baseball these days that very much depends on whether your team lets you do it. And I don't know if you all notice this, but I I feel like the Cubs run more when they are worse. They don't steal a lot of bases when they're good and they know that the guys are going to hit the doubles and whatever to drive guys in. But when they're bad, they're willing to take those chances. So I actually think that number might bump up a little bit. For say, and I for Ian Happ too this year for that matter. I think that you might see a handful of stolen bases there because the Cubs are going to need to manufacture some offense. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It's they got a lot of infielders over the age of thirty. They picked up Jonathan VR. He used to run a lot, but it's been a while since he does. Yeah, he still kind of does. He's got speed, so you wonder if that's going to be more part of their game. I mean, it might have to be because you're going to be stealing runs in other ways than having like multiple 
dudes on your team that are hitting 30 bombs. You know, Anthony Rizzo's not here anymore. So it's like, you know, is Patrick Wisdom going to repeat what he did even last year? Uh, you know, I, I think the jury's still out on all that stuff. So you might have to do things like run more. Um, is that smart? In this, I mean, the jury has said no, that you're going to lose runs that way. And you're going to you're going to take the bat out of somebody's hand by running in outs on the base paths. And that could be a frustrating thing. But if you got but if you have guys that can do it, I, I think you have to at least try if the game situation calls for it. And, you know, and I think it depends on who's up after you. Like if Suzuki's up, don't run. You know, so, yeah, because he might he might uh, hit one out. So, like, you don't want to run into it out in that situation. But if you're towards the bottom of the order and you got Jonathan VR batting eighth or ninth, you know, down there and, and you're trying to bring it around to get into scoring position in a one run game. Yeah, sure. You got then you try to pick up that base. But, you know, it really depends. Um on that situation, but 11 stolen bases out of your slugger. I mean, I even thought about it from an OBP percentage. Like who is the Cubs leadoff hitter anyway? That's a great question. Uh, Ian Happ, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Is it Happ? It might be Happ. (laughs) Well, I, yeah, I mean, whoever's up there is going to be terrible. So like, because that's just (laughs) how it works. Yeah. Um, No. So yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe Suzuki could do it. He's, he's had a, 433 last year so that that'd be nice up top um but yeah it's like it just depends on the uh, construction of the lineup what do you think about the running I mean I I mean I'm good with it I think that I I've told people I've said this on a couple of fantasy podcasts uh in, in the last couple of weeks I think the Cubs will run more this year, I think that they have some guys who can run. I mean, even, you know, I, I tell, I give Wilson some a hard time on this podcast on occasion because he runs when he should not. Like Wilson thinks he's faster than he is and he takes off and I'm like, oh no, uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, yeah, but Rizzo, he, Rizzo got that way too towards the end. Like he thought he could score from second <laughs> and you're like, yo, stop. stop. <laughs> but Wilson, even Wilson Contreras is like, I think he's in the 64th or 67th percentile for sprint speed in the league. That is fast for a catcher, right? Like he's going to steal eight to 10 bags and he's actually going to be successful eight to 10 times. He is, he is kind of quick for a catcher and he, and he does get good reads. He just on occasion overestimates himself. I think, no, I think this team's going to run a bit. I think they're going to hit. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all comes together. I am still not optimistic that the Cubs as currently constructed are going to win more than maybe 75 games, but they could get on a little hot streak. We could see what happens. Um, In fact, let's take a quick break now so that we can spend the rest of this show talking about what we think is going to happen with the Cubs. We have a lot of other news moves to cover. We've got Andrelton Simmons and Jonathan VR to talk about. There's a lot more clarity about their roles now that we know where Correa and Story are going to end up. We've got a ton of bullpen moves to talk about. And one thing that the Cubs have been very good at in the last few years is constructing a solid bullpen. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, let's get into it. We already talked about Say a bit. We'll talk about where we think he fits in the lineup with some of the other moves. But let's just talk about this shortstop situation really quick. Danny, I feel like you called it last week. Andrelton Simmons is your starting shortstop. This is not a drill, people. Yeah. I mean, what did they th- what did people think? Like they're like, he's a backup. I'm like, to who? To who? 
Well, apparently it's Jonathan VR or uh, Nico Horner or like, you know, it's just you just got you're going to have a rotating um, uh, cast of characters there. You know what it is? It's like you can afford that because of the DH spot because he's the shortstop. And so now he's going to bat ninth or whatever. You got just a dude down there batting 200. And, uh, you know, it's not that much better than watching a pitcher, just slightly better. But it's but it allows you room for a glove first guy in your starting lineup where you, that's where you need a most shortstop center field. You know, that's where you'll see a weak hitter who's a who's a glove first situation. So, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> this is your 2022 Cubs, baby. Yeah, I mean, I oh, my God, I. I don't know how I feel about the idea that if you just sign enough guys who can piece it together and you'll get like 30 starts from Nico at short and you'll get like a hundred and however many from Simmons. And then you'll get a handful from VR who will also cover third sometime. I mean, I guess it's fine. It's just not, it's not all that inspiring. These are, these are not dudes who are in their prime who hit a lot. I, I suppose that I, I will say for Andrelton Simmons, I think he is due for a little bit of a bounce back. I don't think, that he's the two night the guy who hit 219 for a season for the twins. Like I think that he's probably closer to a 230, 240 guy. That's still just not great. The Cubs have a lot of guys who kind of hit in that range on occasion. I feel like if you get like down Hap plus down Simmons plus one of Patrick Wisdom's strikeout streaks in a row, this team could be hard pressed to move anyone on the base pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, and I do agree with you. Uh, the last really full season Simmons played where he had 600 plate appearances was in 2018. So it's been a while. He's been battling this ankle thing. I think since then, you know, ever, ever since uh, he battled a few injuries uh he was able to play 131 games last year but that amounted to you know a 558 ops with just like only three home runs so his power just went away and i don't know if that has to do with his ankle or i don't know what happened there (laughs) if they figured out how to pitch him after eight years or whatever i don't know but he used to bat 292 yeah he used to hit 11 12 13 14 home runs so and those were in gold glove season. So something happened after 2018 and he moved. Now he's 32 and 2018 is now four years ago. So we'll see what we have. I mean, slight bounce back. You'll take it. I guess, I guess we're banking on it. A or real bounce back it. would be great. I just, I, I don't know. I don't see him really getting up to like 270, 275 again. If he did, that would be outstanding. I just, I, I eh. I think the glove is still good, and I think he's probably going to hit 240 if we're lucky. If we're lucky. That's the best of all <laughs> possible worlds. But, uh, you know, it's – and then I, I they're going to move him around. Like, I think you really are going to have – because Bodie's on the shelf. Yeah, 60-day IL for David Bodie if you missed that move. Um, he is still dealing with issues from his shoulder. Last year I was at that game where he pulled his shoulder out uh, as he slid into second. It was real gnarly. I'm – I don't want to talk about that injury. It was, it was, it was gross. Um, but he 60 day IL for David Bodie. So the Cubs have no depth, right? Well, they have Nick, Nick and Nico, but they don't have David Bodie roaming around as a utility guy. Yeah. So, but now they got, that's why they probably went and got VR on top of it because it's like Simmons and VR. They both have strengths and they both have weaknesses and it's, 
it maybe if you manage that situation properly uh, with the other two guys and Patrick Wisdom in and out of the lineup, and I don't know what, what are you doing at first base? Is it just Schwindel's job to lose? I I mean I'm not sure. Are they going to be given? Are they going to make Wisdom play over there again like they did? Like your infields, which was once the most set infields in baseball. Just set. a few years ago, just yeah. set it and forget it is now uh, is it, I mean, it's just a it, it's a revolving cast of characters. You know, it's just a it's a real spinning wheel. I don't know. You throw a dart and it could be any of them. Let's talk about that infield for a bit. Al Yellen over at BCB wrote a piece a couple of days ago looking at who he thinks is going to make the Cubs roster out of camp. Obviously, this could change with injury news or any number of things. There's still three weeks to opening day. But, you know, obviously, the the thing that is set it and forget it right now for the Chicago Cubs is their catching situation. You have two of them, Wilson Contreras and Jan Gomes, are going to split time there. I actually think this is great for Wilson Contreras. I think he'll get more days off and be able to DH more. And I we saw that that helped him in 2020. His stat line looked solid. He he is a better hitter when he gets more rest. And I think that that will play and prove to be true in 2022. The infielders, he, he projects six of them to make the team. He's got Frank Schwindel, Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner, Patrick Wisdom, Jonathan Villar, and Andrelton Simmons, which I think is right. One note there that people should keep an eye on, that uh, leaves out Sergio Alcantara, who we saw at the end of last year, real glove first um shortstop and Sergio Alcantara is out of options so that would mean that the Cubs might lose him if he gets placed on waivers David Bodie as Danny noted is on the 60 day IL how do you feel about possibly losing Alcantara I mean I'm fine with it I don't I don't (laughs) no I mean seriously it's like it's not gee Danny poor Sergio no I, I got nothing against the guy I'm just saying like he's you know we already talked about how like I mean, VR has actually got some pop in his bat. He, you know, he doesn't uh, hit for a, for a lot of average, but he does hit a few. Uh, he had 18 home runs for the Mets last year. So you're going to take that over Sergio Alcantara, who might not even bat 200. You right. know, I mean, if you need some defense up the middle, I mean, who knows? Maybe he comes back on a minor league deal and they got this like wink, wink thing going. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But he might pick up with a major league squad. But I don't know too many teams that need a guy that bats under 200. You know, I just, I don't see it. That's I don't fair. Know. I might making that up. I, I, I'm, I just remember that he struggled at that level. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Well, while but, you're looking it up, let's talk about this outfield situation. Cause we've got, um, that's more set. We've been talking about how crowded it is in the outfield for a while now. And it is set, but, but it's pretty crowded. You've got Ian Happ, you've got Jason Hayward, Saya Suzuki, Raphael Ortega and Clint Frazier, making the team out of camp. And, and in that, in that scenario, uh, Al notes that Michael Hermosillo would not make the team. And like Alcantara, he too is out of options. So, I mean, the other guy who kind of loses here is Harold Ramirez, who, if you recall, prior to the lockout, the Cubs signed to a one-year deal. And, and he just kind of seems like he wouldn't make the team in this situation either. How do you feel about losing Hermosillo or Ramirez? Uh, that, I guess is a little bit more of, well, why did you go get Ramirez? Cause that, wasn't that a trade from the guardians? I can't remember if it was a trade or if they picked him up, but I do think that, the, I think it's an order of operations thing. Like Ramirez was a good ad until they were able to add Frazier 
And that was great until they were able to add Suzuki, right? Like, I think it's one of those situations where they wouldn't have added Ramirez if they had known they'd get both Frazier and Suzuki, but they didn't know that when they did it. And then Hermosillo, who pretty much only got his cup of coffee with the Cubs last year because of Blue Friday. Yeah. Um, You know, you wonder where he is. He's he's younger. Uh, No, actually, he's only a little bit younger than Harold Ramirez. Now I'm seeing and. and, and also um, Clint Frazier. And you wonder about Clint Frazier because he had the those vision issues. or uh, And so you don't know how that's going to work out for him. Uh, he, I mean, he was, wasn't, he was, he was a really high draft pick, I believe. So. Yeah. Frazier, I, I think Frazier, I, I'm going to look up Frazier's draft value right now. Frazier was a highly regarded prospect when he went yeah. over to the Yankees in the Andrew Mill in the, no, yeah, Andrew Miller deal. Am I right about that? Andrew Miller, yes. Because this was in 2016 when the Cubs got Araldis Chapman and the Cleveland got Andrew Miller. Clint Frazier went over to the Yankees as part of the get, we get two years of Andrew Miller trade. And he was really, he was a number five overall draft pick in the first round. I mean, he was a premier prospect. He was one of those guys everybody thought would hit. And then he struggled with concussion issues, which was what contributed to the vision problems you were talking about but I don't know Danny I saw uh Frazier make a play in like the Cubs second spring training game over in left like he ran a ball down and dove for it that I was like like number one please don't get hurt Clint Frazier it is the spring <laughs> we don't need you we need you laying out in spring training and getting hurt before you can even get to Wrigley Field but that was a solid play I, I was impressed yeah and you wonder if you can work out a trade. Now everybody knows the outfield's too crowded for the Cubs. And uh, so other teams know that. So, you know, you're going to lose these guys anyway, if you, if they don't make the team. So other teams are are aware of that. So, but I'm wondering if you can work out a deal for one of these guys. I also wonder Jason Hayward's role on this team. Good question. Yeah, no, let's talk about it. Because, you know, he said, Oh, I'll play center. And it's just like, well, we kind of don't want you to play, you know, like we kind of don't want you to play, you know, it's like he's the, the defense is obviously there. The gold gloves, the, the leadership on the team, what he does for the community. I've got nothing bad to say about Jason Hayward, but except for it, it's, it's over his, his contribution to the Cubs. That was really a mistake ultimately, except for the rain delay speech. Hey, that uh, rain delay speech was worth every cent of the yeah. contract. Every single cent, every, every, yeah. every ground ball to second base. It was worth it. <laughs> yeah. And so, but you look, but then you wonder, huh? I wonder how this new regime feels about Ian Happ. Would that be somebody that they would move in a trade if that, because he actually has some value as a player it for to another team to, you know, switch hitter got power from both sides, you know, maybe, or any of these guys, I think are totally tradable at this point, except for Jason Hayward, unless you're going to eat the money, but then maybe you do do that because you can eat the money and you just can get somebody for Hayward. And then he ends up, I don't know where he ends up. Who cares? But like, no, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, Danny. I just have to say an interesting Hayward note that I saw this week that I had not been aware of at the time. Apparently, when that day where the Rockies paid the Cardinals to take Nolan Arenado, one of the teams they talked to about a trade was the Cubs. Nolan Arenado for Chris Bryant straight up 
And that deal fell apart because the Cubs wanted the Rockies to take on Jason Hayward's contract, basically. Yeah, well. They were, like, they were like, we will take Nolan Arenado off your hands. You will take Jason Hayward's contract and Chris Bryant. And the Rockies said no, um, which is why Nolan Arenado is a Cardinal. Uh, the That's intriguing to me. But I, I mean, it does seem like, and I hate to say this because I really think Jason Hayward has done great things for the Cubs. He's done great things for the city of Chicago. I like Jason Hayward as a human being. I think Jason Hayward is probably on the Chicago Cubs through this season. He'll play some center. He'll play some right. He'll mentor the young guys. He'll do all the things that Jason Hayward does. And then next year in 2023, as the team gets better, as Brennan Davis is ready and the Cubs are just trying to actually win again, I think Jason Hayward gets DFA'd in the last year of that deal. And I hate to say it, but they're going to need to make roster room at some point. And you can't pay a defensive replacement that much. That's a really expensive roster slot if you're trying to win. Yeah, unless... You know, we get a resurgent Jason Hayward. I mean, God, I, that I, would be great. Resurgent yeah. Jason Hayward for the final two years of the team. Please, I'm here for I want good things for him. I want good things for Jason Hayward. Well, he's the same age as Andrelton freaking Simmons that we're hoping for it, you know? So, uh, I'm mean, here for it. Let's see resurgent Jason Hayward. I mean, we can only root for it, but yeah, then there's a lot of guys on the bubble and I didn't even think about, yeah, the Brendan Davis situation. Like it is really crowded up there. So you wonder if you can get a trade. I mean, I don't know how much value Harold Ramirez has, or maybe Clint Frazier has, but you, at this point, you, you got to go with one, one or the other, because you're definitely breaking with Hap. I mean, and there's your value. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. Ian Hap is getting into his later arbitration situation so they could move money and help a team i i, I don't know it's interesting it's ian just- happ and clint fraser are going to be two guys i'm keeping an eye on as stuff breaks down this season because frankly both of them have value if they get off to a hot start uh ian Hapman, we've talked about it on this podcast before he is only an mvp or he's really terrible his wrc plus is like 160 or it's 54 he is like two different players and if it's the good ian hap you want him on your team and you're willing to pay him a lot of money and if it's the bad ian hap that is a really terrible player when he's reaching at all of those pitches out of the strike zone and his grand ball rate taps like over 57 <laughs> right like i just that that question, like the future of Hap, the question of whether Frazier could play the role that the Cubs always thought Hap was going to play is an interesting question. I think the outfield of the future for the Chicago Cubs, and they're really just waiting to be able to pull it all together, is Seiya Suzuki, Brennan Davis, and Pete Crow Armstrong. That is your outfield of the future. Yeah, uh, yeah probably. It, and um, yeah, so I don't know when you, when you do move on from Hap at this point. You know, I, I'm not... Sure, because it you don't want to sell. I mean, it's it's weird to say sell low. I mean, he did hit twenty four home runs last year or something like that. Um, it, so it and he had a pretty good 2020, 2019, But you're right; it's just like he disappears for two months. And what you wonder if you can do with your crowded outfield? The, the problem is you'll have already lost your Clint Frazier's and your Harold Ramirez's guys that can fill in. And, you know, another one, Rafael Ortega showed a little bit of 
I mean, I don't think that he's in their future plans, but you know, it's just like, he's a guy, he could be there. He could be a fourth guy, you know, whatever, but you know, he's in see second year, 2022 status, second year ARB eligible. He's still relatively inexpensive for 25 home runs a year. If he'll give that to you, if you, you know, maybe I know it wasn't it you that said it last week, like, should he just bat left-handed? Maybe some team makes him do that. And like, you know, maybe teams will see him as like their Schwarber, you know, and the Cubs screwed that one up big time. So, uh, and so you don't want to see that happen because Ian Happ, He's first round draft pick yep. as well. So, you know, it's, there's something there. He was a bonus baby. He's, he got his, you know, so. I'm looking I'm, at, I'm looking at some of Ian Happ's numbers. And, and again, like the, the tale of two players just jumps out so strongly. His WRC plus has always been over a hundred. So he's always been above a league average hitter in terms of his run production. But some years it's like 103, some years it's 130. Like that is such a massive difference. The difference from being like basically a league average player to being a guy who is 30% better than league average. His ISO, which is a way that we can measure your power in sabermetrics. His ISO is the same thing. It like some years it's he in 2019, in that stint when he came back from AAA. His ISO was 300. Like people do not remember the Ian Happ in that late August, September run in 2019 when the Cubs missed the playoffs was not just good. He was MVP caliber great. He hit the longest home run for the Cubs that season when he came back. And that was a Cubs team that had Kyle Schwarber on it. It had Nick Castellanos on it. It had Anthony Rizzo in his prime on it. And the longest home run in that group went to Ian Happ, right? And yet... 2018, it was 176. And like those numbers are so radically different, Danny. I can't even tell you. I just, I don't know what you do with Ian Happ. I think that if I was, if I was in the Cubs front office, as hard as this would be, I'd wait for Ian Happ to get on a hot street and I would trade him him for (laughs) the largest package you could get. And I would hope that he has a Kyle Schwarber resurgence with somebody else. Yeah, and I'll miss him because I I think it's he's an interesting uh, person. He's got that podcast that's uh, pretty entertaining, except for when they talk about golf too much <laughs> for my taste. <laughs> but uh, I just don't care about golf. So, uh, but no, he's interesting guy with the Joe Madden wine club thing he did, and you know he's always always been kind of a more thoughtful kind of character. He plays with the bleacher fans a lot, but you know, I think even more than just the good year, bad year thing that he does, it's the good two months, bad two months. Yes. Like it's, I, so you don't even know who you, who you have in the middle of the year. If you remember when he got sent down, it was that, that was 2019. Yeah. And he was just killing down in, uh, in uh, AAA. And I remember talking to Michael Cerami that year, and he loves Ian Happ. Like Ian Happ's one of his favorite players. And uh, this is uh, Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation. He's and, been on uh, this show talking about Ian oh, Happ. <laughs> oh, he loves him. And uh, lockdown listeners of this show know uh, that he's one of Ian Happ's biggest fans in the world. He interviewed him and stuff. So uh, anyhow, it's like it, he was uh, banging the table. Why won't Ian Happ come up? Why won't they bring him up? Like he's batting 500 down there. Like bring him up. Finally, did he continues to rake, and then he completely disappeared for like two months of or half of the twenty nineteen or half of the twenty. No, twenty twenty, he was good again. Twenty twenty one was where at the start of last season was. I actually um, it was last year. Yeah, I had a handful of of friends at various sites write me and say, "What happened to Ian Happ? Is he hurt?" 
because his numbers cratered so badly relative to 2020 and 2019 that the people who run projection systems and stuff just they couldn't believe it. They were like, "What is what is going on with the app?" <laughs> he he had, he kind of I'm looking at his monthly breakdown here. In September, he actually had a decent September. He ended up hitting eight of his home runs in September and October. And he hits actually 15 of his home runs were in August, September, October. So he had a resurgent situation towards the end. Uh, 856 OPS in August, uh, over 1,000 in September, October. And he had a decent May. And then the April, June, and July, here's his OPSs. 467, 497, 561. OPS, so that of, is on base plus slugging, people. Yeah, so it's a tale of two halves. So he just, his slugging disappears, and that is is what disappeared. It, well, actually, it was the, it was everything, man. He just struck out more, he walked less. I mean, it's just all of it. And it's just like, what is it about? Is it the yips? Is it injury? Like, was he a little banged up after May? Slow start, banged up in in May, didn't feel good again till August. We don't know some of this stuff, but but yeah, I mean, is he in the future plans of the future Cubs when you just mentioned three other people that are not Ian Happ? Right. It, it's so. going to be crowded. And I, you know, there are, and there are options in the minors who are getting ready. I did that home run Brennan Davis hit yesterday Oppo, against the man. Padres was, look, home runs are great. This was a beautiful home run. The ball was just like a little below his knees and he just put this easy swing on it. And it was just this easy oppo power. I love that. It was so, it was clearly so natural. They're like, oh, ball there, hit ball, ball go oppo. It was beautiful. I, Brennan Davis is a special Batman. And I remember when the Cubs drafted him being a little surprised because the Cubs are not usually in on high school bats. That's not their normal agenda <laughs> in a draft. Although they've done it more since that pick. But I remember Brennan David being like, oh, the Cubs usually go for college arms and here they have drafted a high school bat. Brennan Davis is special, man. I, I really like him. I can't wait to see him. And frankly, I think that you could see him with the Cubs, most likely in 2023. I don't think they're going to want to start his clock in a 2022 season. It looks like it's going to be lost to time, but you never know. Um, but yeah, when he's ready and when Pete Crow Armstrong is ready, those dudes have jobs. They have to have jobs on this team. <laughs> they're very good. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, no, he's that was a, a beautiful swing that he put on it. And I, and of course, I, I'm here's a little caveat. There's balls kind of fly out in the daytime in Arizona, thin air, all True. that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's like caught by the center fielder at Wrigley, you know, with the wind blowing in. But uh, no, it, in just he seems comfortable and he seems ready. And the thing that frustrates me right now is that the Cubs don't seem to be really going for it. And so why not just bring him up and give him the experience? You see other teams that do that and bring up their guys a little younger. I know that the Cubs philosophy has been, no, ever you need so many at-bats at each level, and that's probably better. But I'm like looking at this, I'm like, well, if he can help your team now, like if he's in the mid, if he's down at Iowa and he's hitting 350, and he's already got 12 home runs in the month of April. You're like, bring him up. 
Like, why? What are you waiting for? And I understand that it's it's contract, and well, we still got Hayward, and we got Harold Ramirez on the team, and I'm like, no, we don't Harold care Ramirez. about that. <laughs> I mean, don't you want us to? I, I'm giving Harold. We've never even seen him play, so like, <laughs> I don't even think I've seen him in a spring training game. Like, and I've been watching for it. Yeah. I haven't seen him yet. Yeah, he, I almost he, forgot he was on the team. I mean, maybe David Ross did too. So I mean. <laughs> He's so excited about Seiya Suzuki and he's like dancing around to my song and he just, and Harold Ramirez is like, Hey guys, um, there's no number on my back. <laughs> I forgot to put a number on my Jersey. Would you guys? <laughs> I mean, I will say that for Brennan Davis, he only has 68 plate appearances at AAA so far. He slashed 268, 397, 536. Those numbers are good. They're not outstanding. The The two numbers that jump out at me though here, well, three actually that I want to share that are like, Whoa, kind of eye-popping and admittedly small sample size of only 68 plate appearances. But the K percentage was down in AAA compared to AA. It was only 22%. Uh, He struck out 30% of the time in AA. So that's weird. Normally you see a jump in the K rate uh, at a new level, not a lowering of it. So that jumps out at me. His walk rate in AAA went way up. He walked 16.2% of the time. That number is incredible for any level. That indicates he has a really good eye. Um, his WRC plus in AAA was 150, which is an eye popping number. I mean, we were just talking about how Pretty app good. looked really good at 130, and and his WOBA, which is a weighted on base average, um, and a way to kind of tell how impactful somebody is both with their walks and with their hitting. Uh, it it weights a triple or a double higher than a single, for example. His WOBA was 407. A WOBA of like 340 is good. <laughs> a WOBA of 407 is ridiculous. Um, I Brennan Davis, I think, is going to get a shot at some point. I don't know if it's going to be 2022. I, I think it's going to be 2023. Because if you're sitting at 72 wins, do you really need to start Brennan Davis's clock to get to 76 wins? Probably not. I'm, I'm just excited and I want to watch him play. And, I want to watch him play too. Let's you know, go to Iowa oh, and watch Brennan Davis play this year, Danny. <laughs> I'm for it, you know, because why not? You know, it, it, we're kind of back to the those days where there are some guys in the minor leagues that you're excited to see. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong being one of them. A lot of some of the pitch lab guys I kind of excited to see. Um, Wick. Uh, uh, was No, Wicks. Jordan Wick. Jordan Wicks and Rowan Wick. And that yeah, is going to be like, conf- – and Brad Weck. Uh, yeah. It's going to be confusing, people. There's a lot well, of wicks and wecks. Well, Weck is on the IL, I believe. Again. Again. And I don't know if we're ever going to see that guy play. Man, but... I really liked him when we saw him play. That I thought that was a great trade, uh, turning Carl Edwards Jr. into Brad Weck. And, and the few times we watched him pitch, he was great. And then he had the heart issue, and now he's got some other issues. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about pitching, because we're already running pretty long here. And I want to make sure... We get to some of these pitching moves because that there were moves here, people. Um, Adbert Alzali is not going to start the season. He is on the 60-day IL, which that really sucks. He, he re-aggravated that lat strain, and I, and I hope that that's not serious because I really liked what we saw from Adbert last year. Um, but it, the Cubs came to terms for a one-year deal with Drew Smiley. So welcome back to Chicago, okay. Drew Smiley. And it looks like he is penciled in for the fifth spot in the rotation right now, although I would not count out Justin Steele or Keegan Thompson um, from getting some starts as well. Both of those dudes showed that they were pretty capable of starting a major league baseball game last season. What do you think of the rotation? How do you feel about Drew Smiley coming back to Chicago? Well, first of all, and somebody's got to write me at Sunranto on Twitter or something. And 
we when we traded Drew Smiley to the Rangers, it was for a player to be named later that I don't think we ever got. Because I'm looking <laughs> and so and I no, I, I looked at this was a while ago I'm and looking, I looked hold on. Yeah, I and I've I've looked this up and all I can find is stuff about how we get a player to be named later. But I have no it's not in baseball reference, it's not anywhere. It still says player to be named later. So first of all, Rangers, I want our player. So uh we're make with the player. Um, you know, this guy, he got his ring last year with uh the Braves. That's pretty cool. Uh he pitched over a hundred innings. He, he's had having trouble coming back from that injury, but he has been back, but it wasn't that pretty when he was playing in um, Texas, who we traded him to for apparently nobody. And um, <laughs> and so, I, you know, I'm just kind of <laughs> – we'll see what we have. Uh, fifth spot sounds about right, uh, whether he gives us 100 innings. I mean, I think that's what you need. But it, it almost reminds me of the infield situation where you got a bunch of kind of like middling dudes and we'll see who ends up getting the bulk of the time – uh, Smiley could, I mean, he's a starter, so they plan on starting him, but he also pitched out of the pen a little bit last year for Atlanta. And, uh, you, you know, he's just been bouncing around since he got hurt. We rehabbed him. So we at least know him. I saw him actually pitch, uh, one of those, um, uh, what do they call it? A simulated game. I saw him pitch a simulated game to, uh, former Cubs mental skills coordinator, John Baker. Ah. Yeah, so I watched the, John got me in. I got to watch it on the field. So, nice. um, so I mean, he seemed, I mean, and, and I talked to John about him. Like, he's like, he looks really good. I think he's ready to come back. And that, and he wasn't going to come back that year. So we totally rehabbed him. He didn't play in 17 and 18. And then we traded him. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see well, what we get. We've, he would, 126 innings last year. If you're going to get that out of that spot, fine. He had a 4.48 ERA, which isn't going to excite anybody. Yeah, no, I I'm with you. I actually I liked the Smiley signing when it happened. I liked that the Cubs were going to rehab him. I thought that he had a lot of upside. I mean, you people may have missed this. Like he was part of the Braves World Series team. <laughs> he threw 126 innings for that Atlanta team. He has a World Series ring. I I think this is a good signing for the Cubs. It's it's not shiny, but it means they have five guys who can start baseball games. Now, I I just (laughs) cannot stress this enough. That is what the Cubs rotation is. It is not pretty. There's not going to be a ton of Ks. It's a, we're going to get a lot of ground balls and weak contact. We're going to pray that our defense turns all of that weak contact into outs. It's why Andrelton Simmons and Jonathan VR have more value for this team than you think they do because they have good gloves and they are going to turn some of those ground balls into outs, the Cubs need that in a way that few teams do. Every single guy in this rotation, Kyle Hendricks, Marcus Stroman, Wade Miley, Alec Mills, Drew Smiley, those are not flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah. Though I think Drew Smiley has the highest K per nine here, and I think it's like 8.12. It, it, yeah. <laughs> this is not a rotation built on striking guys out. This is a rotation built on weak contact. Now, that said – I see no problems with that. That's what the Giants did last year. And the Giants did a great job with that rotation. It worked out really, really well for them. So if the Cubs can make that work with some old guys with good gloves, I think that is totally fine. But just know what it is. Speaking of Marcus Stroman, the Cubs finally got to see him make 
his debut uh, in spring training over the weekend. He looked great. He did strike out three guys in two innings. I don't think that's normal for Marcus Stroman. So I think that y'all should not plan on that being a thing. But he looked outstanding. He also has this like K strut that he does. And I love two things about this. One, I love that there's a K strut. Like the K strut, if you've not seen the GIF, go find it. It's outstanding. But my second favorite part of this is that he was asked about the K strut after his outing. And he said, oh, I don't, I don't, didn't even know I did that. I just black out out there. And I'm just like, I love that Marcus Stroman is so intense. He's just like blacked out, strutting around the mound. Because yeah. after he strikes a guy out, can you, the intensity of a Stroman Contreras battery is going to be incredible. Yeah, no, it's, it, I love Marcus Stroman. He's instantly my favorite, uh, at least pitcher on the Cubs. Uh, I just like his attitude. I, I got to go on a Zoom call with him and he was all philosophical about wearing the number zero and talking about using his ha- his feet like their hands and that, you know, just really in touch with his body. And yeah, I, I it's going to be awesome. What what I do wonder about, did, did Stroman throw to Contreras. No, he threw to Gomes. Yeah, yeah, he threw to Gomes and 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 I I, I don't know, maybe Gomes is going to be his guy. And don't thinking, don't do that to me, Danny. That I know, can't I know, happen. I know because but maybe it's too much of like the same thing that you don't want Contreras and I mean, even though I want to see this and it will happen, you know, there'll be some point where like Gomes is foot hurts or something, he can't do it or you know. But um you know, I would. I just wonder if Gomes is going to be, be his guy. So I just just a wonder. Well, I'm going to watch it. See see what happens next. Danny might be dead to me. I'll like check in next week to see if we still have a podcast. But we'll we'll talk more about some of the bullpen moves in this podcast. Well, we'll have I'm, a band at least. <laughs> but we'll have a band. We'll have a band and not a podcast. No, I'm just kidding. We're not canceling the podcast. Um, the relief side of things got quite the overhaul this week, and I I want to talk about it. Uh. The Cubs added all of the following guys. <laughs> David Robertson, Chris Martin, and Daniel Norris. Uh, one, this gives them some options if Rowan Wick struggles in the closer role, which I like. There's some experience here with David Robertson. There's a lot of dart throwing here. And I, you know, it's weird because uh, those sometimes those darts work. The Cubs have been generally pretty good at figuring out who's got a bullpen resurgence in them. Let's not forget the super pen of Tapera and Chafin and Kimbrell last year. I mean, that was kind of the Cubs throwing some darts, right? Uh, how do you feel about David Robertson, Chris Martin, and Daniel Norris join, joining this team? Well, I think you're right. You just kind of have to trust the fact that they can identify, that the Cubs have been pretty good at identifying these resurgent arms. Oh. I, I forgot one, Stephen Brault. They they also picked up Stephen Brault from the Pirates. And I have to I have to shout this out because Andy Cruz Vanasek, original CCB co-host, uh, called Stephen Brault to the Cubs like three years ago. She wanted to join the Cubs as a middle reliever. We had a whole t- like 12-minute conversation about it. And I just want to say, Andy, you are right. Stephen Brault is finally a Cub. <laughs> Well, and another lefty that they just stockpiling lefties. Another lefty they picked up was uh, Gesellman, or was he not? Oh, yeah, Gesellman was on there, too. Gesellman did not make Al's article for some reason. Um, That might just be an oversight. It might have just come. No, he's actually pitches with his right hand. So, But he's another one, and he used to start games for the Mets and got moved to the pen. Uh, So we'll 
We'll see. He did start one game last year, but that was probably like an emergency start. And I think he battled some injuries because he only pitched 14 innings in 2020, even though that year was short. That's still not very many innings. And then only 28 innings last year for the Mets. So um, the year that or he was bouncing up and down from the minors. Uh, look at that real quick. But um, so, yeah, they're just, you know, <laughs> they're throwing a lot of darts, just like you said. We'll see what they get out of these dudes. Yeah, he was in the a uh, little bit in the minors. Yeah. AAA last year, Gaselman. Yeah, it should be interesting. I, I honestly don't know what I think of this other than I think that one of the places where the Cubs have clearly made a lot of strides in the last few years is on bullpen development, and it's paid off more than it hasn't paid off. So I'm going to trust that they know which guys to go target. Maybe they can start developing some pitchers they draft on their own. That that would be a welcome development for the Chicago Cubs. We'll yeah. see if that happens. I mean, that that's unfair. Like Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson are those guys, and, and they're better than we thought they would be. They're just not the guys who we thought would get those spots, right? Like they're I mean, not the guys who were taken in the first and second round. Justin Steele's changeup just made pitching ninja yesterday. Nice. Or Justin was Steele it looked great yesterday when he threw. Oh, it was yesterday, yesterday. yeah. 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 And uh, now it's all starting to blur together. It's like we're in all the games and you're just seeing too much baseball. Isn't that great? We've seen games. so much yeah. baseball in the last week that we just can't even remember what day it is. Uh, I think that is a perfect note for us to end this show on. We're so glad baseball's back. We're glad that there's so much baseball on. We can't remember what day Justin Steele pitched. But the next time Justin Steele pitches and has a great changeup, you will hear all about it here on Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, Danny, where can people find all of your incredible work, including the song we're going to outro this intro, the outro this episode with the Say a Song? Where can people find you? Well, find me at Sunranto on Twitter. You can uh, join the Sunranto Ranters on Facebook. You can, you know, I'm on Instagram, Sunranto Show everywhere. And uh, we go Wednesday nights live. Uh, at 7 p.m. Central Time on all of our uh, social media sites, YouTube and everything. So, yeah, come by. It's live. Yeah, the Sun Rancho Show is always a good time. Definitely check it out. I always love hanging out with those guys. In the meantime, you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find this episode and anything related to it at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. And apparently you can find me making my bleacher band debut on opening <laughs> Opening day. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I don't know. Danny and I are going to have to negotiate some of this after this show. That, that was a very interesting development in this episode. <laughs> but you'll hear all about it here. Until next time, bye. Ichi Nissan. My cubbies don't mess around. We got a Nippon pro who comes from Tokyo. He played for Hiroshima, but he loves the bleachers in Chicago. a lot of power He's a consistent hitter who will send their pitchers to an early shower I'm so glad we got so glad we got him. We got him and we need him to be good at baseball. Oh, 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 Cubs getting better. Cubs are getting better. Suzuki's a good batter. Hits him over the wall. Oh, 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 oh. I guess Hayward is going to play in Santa. Take a break.
place, to your place, to your place, a place, your place, a place, right on that field. We're trying, trying, lost Rizzo and Bryant. Guess Ricketts wasn't lying when he said we'd be good this year. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's gonna hit more homers. Then Kosuke Fukudome. I think it's really groovy. We got Seiya Suzuki. I, I, I am Danny Rockets. 